Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, morning, or afternoon, depending on when you are listening to this, folks. Welcome to episode two of the Men in Red show. I'm Drew Hom here with John Evans, and we are excited to be talking to you about the Big Ten regular season champion, Wisconsin Badgers. Got a full show for you today. We'll be discussing Trayvon Jackson and his injury, when he might come back, how effective he'll be, et cetera, et cetera. Be discussing the John Settle hire, the new running backs coach for the football team. And we will have an interview with Luke Miller of Bucky's Fifth Quarter. He'll be dropping some knowledge on us about the Wisconsin basketball team and what to look forward to now that the calendar has turned to March. So let's get right into it with Luke. Luke, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. So we wanted to kind of start with the disconnect happen, which is just just equal parts of us being terrible at podcasting and and you being in college and us being real people. So <laughs> you've you've been on hold for approximately how many hours now for this show? Uh, I, I think uh, the first time that I called in was about 12 hours 12. ago. That is incredible. I just got work saying I'm ready to go, and I looked down, and this is far, far too early to be ready to go. And you just assumed <laughs> that we were just going to be doing a show in the morning, and I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah. To be clear, so dude, we would both trade our guys, to be in your life right now. You are in college. You have no disregard for the the working people that just like you know do nine to five type things with their lives. We're just sitting here married, doing that working life. Though so Drew has a different work schedule than I do. Yeah, so today was my Saturday, so I was going to go at nine thirty too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to bring you guys back to uh, the glory days of your lives. Oh my gosh, we appreciate it so much, glory. So, this is your first time on the show. Uh, this is our second episode. Hopefully, you're on with us all the time. But uh, just to give our listeners a little bit of uh, background, um, kind of where where are you from? Uh, you're I, we kind of alluded that you're still up in Madison as a student. Um, kind of where you got where you've done some writing and and kind of what your uh, what the sports are that you've written about for uh, for Wisconsin. Sure. So uh, I'm from a small town that is on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois. Unfortunately, I'm on the wrong side. So many have called me a fib, even though I will dispute that till the day I die. I'm from a small town, Rockton, Illinois. Um, I'm a senior at Madison, my, uh, and I've been writing for Bucky's Fifth Quarter since, uh, I think, March or April of last year. And I started covering spring football. Uh, covered about half the football season along with Jake uh, from Bucky's fifth quarter and have been the uh, basketball beat writer this year for Bucky's fifth quarter uh, covering the team. So it's been uh, a good year now that I've been with Bucky's fifth quarter. It's been a great experience. And as a uh, student, 
student at UW-Madison, it is quite an opportunity to be up close and personal uh, with some of these athletes and kind of have the some of the inside knowledge. Yeah, so since you are the beat reporter, you have a very kind of insider knowledge of the workings of the Wisconsin basketball team this year. What are some of your thoughts on the Badgers' play last week? They lost to Maryland and then came back on senior day and uh, beat Michigan State. What did you see in those two games from Wisconsin, and how do you see things going forward for the team? I really thought that the loss to Maryland wasn't as big of a deal as people made it out to be. In my honest opinion, I thought that Wisconsin almost needed to lose a game uh, going into the Big Ten tournament. And the reason for that being that they had coasted through their last uh, about 10 games that they had played. And really, they they were struggling to close out games. They were getting leads of 20 points or so, and then would only end up winning the game by eight. Now, there's a few factors for that. Obviously, teams are shooting threes, and the more they take, they've got a better chance of putting them in. So they're closing gaps faster that way. Um, but Wisconsin have been letting their guard down a little bit. And uh, one of the most vocal players about that was Josh Goster. He, he said all year that he doesn't feel that the team has played a full 40 minutes. To me, the Maryland game kind of gave them a gut check. And I think that was what this team needed to prepare themselves going forward. So obviously you can talk about how Des Wells tore up their defense um, and led Maryland to victory. You can talk about the first half and how they didn't get it inside to Frank and then found him in the second half. Uh, but that wasn't the worst thing uh, in the world in my eyes. Now, the Michigan State game, I thought they played really well. I thought their defensive performance was much better than at Maryland. I mean, to be able to shut down a guy like Travis Trice, who came in and he's averaging over 20 points a game off the bench, I mean, that's pretty outstanding. And they asserted themselves right away down low. So basically everything that they did wrong in the Maryland game, they corrected against Michigan State. So that was what was encouraging to me. Are there still a few problems going forward? Of course there are. Um, I mean, it seems that they can shut down one guy with Josh Goster, but then they struggle to shut down another shooter on the floor. Um, So that's something that, especially come tournament time, they're going to struggle with and need to solve. But I think the team's in the right place going forward here. So you kind of alluded to it. Would you say that teams similar to Maryland that have strong backcourts that have a Dells Des Wells as a, even the secondary. I mean, he was the, pretty much their secondary option. He erupted, but he um, he was one half of their tandem. Are those the types of teams that are you that you think are going to be the ones that cause Wisconsin the most problems going forward? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I think not to to jump ahead on you guys. I'm sh- I'm sure you guys will talk about it, but that Trayvon Jackson injury that's where that's hurting them the most. Um, that game, they needed a point guard, not like Bronson Koenig, who can score from all over the floor. They needed somebody who could drive and create and free up Frank, which wasn't happening in the first half. And along with that, Trayvon plays great defense. Uh, whether you're a Trayvon Jackson lover or a hater, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, to me, he's kind of like the Joel Stave of the basketball team, but maybe to a little bit of a lesser degree. Um, it, it seems like you're either left or you're right on that, but I think that Trayvon, really, by the time that he comes back, he's going to help on the defensive end for this team 
uh, and that's something they need. Koenig has really improved, especially watching the beginning of the season and how he's progressed to where he is now. He's a much better defender. But Gosser can only guard one guy on the court, especially when you play man-to-man. So uh, Gosser did a great job against Maryland, shutting down Tremble, who was the guy who you're going to zone in on as a team. And they left open Des Wells. And with because Wells plays the three and he's kind of undersized, it really posed a difficult opponent uh, for Decker and Hayes. Uh, and then it also didn't help that Hayes got into a little foul trouble. But they really didn't know how to defend him. He's quick, he can score, and, and Decker at times seemed like he couldn't keep up with him. Hayes did a little bit better job, but still, when a guy goes off for almost 30 points, that's a problem. With uh, with Trayvon Jackson injure, injured, it's uh, going a little bit longer than expected. He's now going to be out for the last two games of the regular season and possibly the Big Ten tournament as well. How is Wisconsin going to compensate for that heading into the Big Ten tournament? I, I think they're going to have to – there will be a game. I know that they're only going to play – seeing if they go to the championship, um, that they'll only play three games. But I think there will be a game somewhere along the way where they will have to rely on their depth, and that's been a huge problem for them for the last few – I mean, since, since Jackson has gotten injured, that's been the problem is you don't get any bench production. So a guy like Showalter might need to put in some valuable minutes if Koenig or Gosser gets into foul trouble. Um, Vito Brown, the same thing. He might have to go in, or him or Duye, uh, if Frank or Nigel would get into foul trouble. Um, and, and we all know, come tournament time, whether it's Big Ten or NCAA tournament, there's always a guy that has to step up that you're not expecting. I mean, look a few years back to Rob Wilson, right, in the Big Ten tournament and explodes for, I think it was 33 points against Indiana. Nobody was expecting that, but Wisconsin that day needed somebody to step up. And I think that not necessarily that one guy on the bench is going to go off for 33 points, but they're going to need somebody to step up, whether it's foul trouble or an injury or something like that. So um, I think that's probably where the Jackson injury hurts them the most. It's just death, and it has been that way for since he's been injured. I would be surprised if the Wisconsin bench total has scored 33 points since Jackson was hurt. That's something I can look into. I know Duye scored double digits one game, so uh, it's probably close. There's been plenty of games where they haven't scored or only two points. What do you make of Zach Walters play? Uh, you know, he provide he definitely provides a spark. Um, he brings tenacity, especially on the defensive end. You can tell that he's fearless. I mean, uh, I've, I've seen plenty of jokes of people saying that he has the most attempted uh, dunks that have been missed this year uh, trying to have putbacks. But he's definitely fearless out there. He's willing to take a charge. He's willing to attack the rim when he needs to. When he drove to the lane against Michigan State this uh, yesterday, I didn't think he was going to take it all the way. I mean, he had the option to dump it off, and he was fearless in that respect, and, and he's not he's confident in himself. And that's something that's encouraging going forward. I mean, a guy with his athleticism, he's one of the most athletic players I think I've ever seen in a Wisconsin uniform, and you probably wouldn't guess it by looking at him on the bench. Um, so if he can find a way to channel that athleticism and kind of put some type of a package together, I think in the future he can be – a really good player, especially coming off the bench later in his career. Uh, That's what I've always thought. 
it's him on yeah, the defensive but, side. He clearly has the athleticism that you see flashes of all the time offensively. I remember one of his his first games in a bad kind of yeah. whoa. So it's I'm, it's there, I'm, and I would love to see that channeled on the defensive side. I'm I'm sure that's coming. Yeah, I I think you can look no further just from a pure athleticism standpoint as the that dunk that he had, that putback dunk in Battle for Atlantis. Um, but he, the player that I think he could turn into is somebody like a Joe Kravinoff, um, who's just built off pure grit. And he's willing to do just about anything to help the team win. So that, that's where I think they need to improve. Now, something that has is kind of coming to a head point these next couple of weeks is going to be the Frank Kaminsky Player of the Year talk. I think it goes without saying that he's got the Big Ten Player of the Year pretty much wrapped up at this point. But how do you see the National Player of the Year going? I think it's interesting that his biggest comp- uh, competition for that award appears to be Jaleel Okafor from Duke. And obviously, we lost to Duke earlier this year. How do you think that that single game result is going to be weighed versus the overall body of work that Kaminsky's been able to put together? You know, it's tough to say. I think one of the best things that happened to Kaminsky in that respect is Tom Izzo's post-game comments about him. And he gloated and said, in his mind, there's absolutely no doubt that Kaminsky is the player of the year. And I think that, I mean, a coach who's as well-respected as Izzo, that's going to get. And so I I think that'll go a long way. Personally, I think Kaminsky is the player of the year for the sole purpose that he's able to do everything where I don't see Okafor being as dominant on defense, and I don't see him being as well-rounded as being able to dish off to his players. I mean, Kaminsky leads the team in all major categories. That's something that that Okafor can't do. Do I think Okafor is a great player? Sure. He didn't really wow me against Wisconsin. Granted, it was pretty early in the year, but he didn't really wow me because he, he put up a lot of points against them late. Um, and maybe it was in a time when they needed it, but the guards is what killed Wisconsin against uh, Duke. So uh, I think to me, because Kaminsky is the the real deal, he's the whole package, not that Okafor is not the real deal, but because Kaminsky can put everything together, I think that's why he's the player of the year. So there's kind of a, a debate brewing between the two guys where it's, Jaleel Okafor, who is a lock to be an NBA lottery pick, the presumptive number one overall pick. And then there's Frank Kaminsky, who has great advanced stats, better than Okafor's, but Okafor's traditional catching stats are better. Uh, Two guys? I I mean, it it really depends on, on what they're looking for in the quality of the player of the year. To me, the player of the year is the best player in the country, and I think that Kaminsky brings that whole package. I mean, you can take it every which way you want with stats, and, and they're pretty darn similar um, in a lot of respects. Uh, but I think even when you watch Kaminsky go to the bench, I think he means more to this Wisconsin team 
than Okafor means to Duke. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Now, the, our next game is against, or Wisconsin's next game is against Ohio State. Oh, is it Minnesota? Okay, well, we're going to edit that. Heading into the final stretch here with Minnesota and Ohio State, do you see Ohio State as a team similar to Maryland, or do you see that that game kind of playing out similarly to how Wisconsin responded to the Maryland game with the, with the Michigan State game, where they, they've kind of seen a couple of teams now that have that uh, heavy, that good guard play, and they're able to adjust accordingly, or do you think that that's going to be, again, a, a trap situation? I, I think – uh, I think the hardest game that they have is Ohio State for sure. I don't think that Minnesota is really going to pose that much of a threat to them based off of the way that they played um, against them at the Kohl Center. I know that the, the barn is a difficult place to go and win, but to me, Ohio State's a more difficult matchup, especially with D'Angelo Russell. I mean, the guy can flat out ball. But I, I think they're not going to have any type of a hangover effect um, and they showed that with winning how they did against Michigan State. So, uh, to me, that that Maryland win was a wake-up call enough for them so that they will carry it with them the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, we agree. Luke, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for calling in. We uh, hope to yeah. have you on again soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on hold for so long, too. <laughs> no problem. Any time for you guys. Have a good one. You too. All right, so that was Luke Miller of Bucky's Fifth Quarter dropping some more knowledge on us in terms of the uh, Wisconsin basketball season. So John and I had a few last topics we wanted to discuss before we logged off here. First one being, we touched on a little bit with Luke, is uh, the Trayvon Jackson injury. He had claimed that he would be back in time for senior day. That obviously was not the case. He did not suit up on Sunday. He is now probably going to miss the Big Ten tournament as well. Of Trayvon Jackson's injury and how will he affect the team if and when he returns? I think it's interesting. I think there's a couple of interesting things at play. When he first got injured and they announced his timetable for return, I thought it would be surprising if he took off all the time up until senior day because they were a good team. It gave them a chance to use Bronson Koenig, and they didn't really need to rush him back. But you don't just miss senior day. I missed senior day when I was in high school for a sport, and it was brutal. I mean, that's just not something that you go into. I mean, he must have put up a heck of a fight. I I did when I um, I was I had to walk through senior day the same way. He got a huge ovation at the game, and I felt great for him. But that you have to wonder how significant is his injury if he's missing something like that. I thought it was I honestly thought it was going it was it was being done almost as a learning experience for Bronson Koenig. But if he's seriously injured and he's missing time well into the Big Ten tournament and potentially into March, I'm not sure how that affects the the, the long-term prognosis for the team. As Luke said, 
there's huge issues with guard play, especially teams that are guard heavy, and there's going to be plenty of those in the tournament. Most most really good mid-major teams have great guards. There's going to be a couple of teams like UW-Green Bay in the tournament that have Kiefer Sykes-type players that are able to slash. And Bronson Koenig is a developing defensive player, but he is definitely not a defensive player on the same line as Trayvon. So um, it's, it's a difficult question. I, I think that uh, I think it's going to be really telling to see if, he, if and when he plays in the Big Ten tournament. The good news is it seems that Jackson had the walking boot removed from his foot so that he might be able to start resuming basketball-related activities. Uh, what do you think will happen to the bench production once Jackson comes back? Do you see him being immediately reinserted into the starting lineup, or do you see him kind of being eased back in and playing 10 to 15 minutes off the bench to spell Koenig? I think that's that's going to be – I think what Bo Ryan does is going to be exactly what Bo Ryan had planned to do from the get-go for this season. I think he went into the season knowing that he had uh, – Trey Jackson as his starting point guard, and he had obviously an exceptional young point guard coming up, and he was going to have to balance them, balance their time. And I think Koenig was perfectly content coming off the bench from the beginning part of the year, and I think he would be content coming off the bench, um, especially you know, given that Trayvon missed senior day. I think if, if Trayvon is is healthy, I think he's going to get odd to start, and I think the the bench play will improve. But again, it's it's one of those things where he's been out for how long now? And uh, thankfully, I don't think he's going to be asked to shoulder as much as the offensive load, uh, which is great because I don't think any any Wisconsin fan would consider him to be an exceptional offensive player. But I think that he will probably take a backseat if and when uh, Koenig, uh, or if and when he returns from his injury. Um, it's a different. It's a different group. It's a different group completely, and I think that they have. They don't have as much of a need for what Jackson brings in terms of his, you know, the late, the late game shots. I mean, they. This is a team that's built to get a lead and hold a lead, and if they're clawing back on a lead, they're not. They're not as reliant on, on the guards necessarily. I mean, the two best players on this team are two forwards, so I, I think the the weight of the punch doesn't necessarily have to come from Trey, and I think that's that's ultimately a good thing. Obviously, when they have Koenig and going as well in the backcourt, that makes them extremely formidable. But I think I think ultimately it'll be very interesting to see how how Bo Ryan handles it because it, it is one of those things that he he has the the equity built up with the fan base that he's going to make a decision, and I think people are going to be okay with it. And I don't know if he would have had that if he hadn't gone to the Final Four last year. I think it would be a much bigger deal. You're probably correct about that. On basketball, what Bo says goes, and people seem yeah. to Bo fall knows. in line with that. Yeah, I mean, that Bo knows phrase carries a lot more weight when you have a Final Four banner. And that was that was kind of the thing that I was always hoping for Bo, because I, he was clearly a good coach, and his system worked, and I'm glad that he finally reached the, the quote-unquote um, – you know, glass ceiling of college basketball. It's, it's interesting that college basketball's glass ceiling is getting. You know, every every you know, uh, if a coach kept on getting to this step 
finals that have been in losing, or the finals that have been in losing in football, that would be Bob Stoops, right? That's, that's the Oklahoma. And then every year you got someone that's really angry. But if you're a basketball coach and you make it to a Final Four, I mean, it's, it's kind of gravy after that. It's kind of an interesting dynamic within the college basketball scheme. So the Final Four means almost as much as winning a national championship. This is probably something we can delve into further in the offseason. This sounds like the perfect topic to get us through the boring summer months. Lonely night. Yeah. The, the Men in Red show is late night podcasting for you ladies out there. So let's switch. Yeah, we, we love you. Both two, of our sleeping wives. Two specific ladies. Yeah, my wife, not watch or listen to the show, will not listen to the show. To your credit, your lovely wife listens to the show. Several of your family members listen to the show. They're weird people. Give us feedback, by the way. We're we're definitely eager for the feedback. We've uh, we've got ironically less feedback than we had literally because we are now using a professional mic thanks to my employer, which generously gave us the mic for the day. But we will, going forward, we'll hopefully we'll sound a lot better uh, than the first show. So if you've talked to the first show, we do, we do appreciate it. We do. So let's talk a little bit more about Frank Kaminsky. After the Michigan State game on Sunday, Tom Izzo had... I'm very disappointed. Uh, but on a positive note for Wisconsin, you're a Hall of Fame coach, and you got arguably what I think is the best player in the nation. Um, I think talk about these other guys. If there's a guy that hit tougher shots, I mean, we didn't play great, but he, that kid made some plays. Uh, he made some shots with his right hand, with his left hand. He made passes. Um, he played pretty good defense. Um, I've never been more impressed with a player in our league since maybe Big Dog. Uh, back in the day, I thought, uh, I thought the kid uh, was sensational. And, you know, some of it was our fault, but, boy, and when we clamped up the second half, I thought we had some chances. He just made big shot after big shot, whether it be a three, whether it be putting it on the floor. Um, he's the most versatile kid that I think our league has seen in a long, long time. So that's uh, pretty high praise coming from a coach like Tom Izzo, comparing him to Purdue great Glenn Robinson, who most of you youngsters probably never saw play in college. So, John, did you see you play in college? How old are you? I did see Glenn Robinson play in college. I was like the 90s. Shit. I think we just found out that Drew was a 40-year-old man. I am 63 years old. Drew is 63 years old. Has fond memories of the Glenn Robinson era at, uh, at Purdue. Right. He was great. The youngster, little pup. So, anyway, back to Frank Kaminsky, who is currently dominating the Big Ten. Obviously, he's going to be the Big Ten Player of the Year. The only real competitor is D'Angelo Russell, who has had a couple of average games to end the season, maybe hitting a bit of a freshman wall. What do you see in Kaminsky's future in terms of National Player of the Year and then just even further beyond that, the NBA draft? Well, I'm from, I'm from Illinois. I was actually living in Lyle, Illinois, when – Frank Kaminsky was getting recruited. Don't ask me why I was living in Lyle, Illinois. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. Lyle, Illinois is Lyle, Illinois. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. But Lyle, Illinois is where Bennett Academy is from. And that is the school that Frank Kaminsky attended. Um, for those of you who don't know a ton about Bennett Academy, Bennett has never been really known for anything. But they were extremely good at basketball. 
when he was a junior and a senior. I think he that team was um, a top team both of the years that he was there. And I believe the point guard for that team is uh, Northwestern now. But it was quite a team. And when he was getting recruited, I remember being somewhat amazed that he that was even a Bennett player that was good enough to get into Wisconsin. So kind of seeing the entirety of his his rise has been pretty shocking. I mean, I I remember going into last year thinking, you know, we have we we lost Bergeron, who I thought was super underrated, one of the most underrated players in the history of Wisconsin basketball. I think he made unbelievable strides between his junior and senior year, and became a completely different player than he was when he was a freshman. I remember being shocked that he was even recruited because he was so slow and terrible, but. He was, you know, a quietly, extremely athletic kid, which you would have never guessed. But um, he, similar, similar to what, well, his departure, I, I thought that, you know, it was going to be really interesting to see what happened at that forward spot. I thought that if, you know, Kaminsky developed, we still had a problem. I mean, I thought that he, if he got to even, you know, 60, 70% of what Bergeron was, I thought we still had a huge forward problem. And the fact that he came right out of the gate and all of a sudden was dropping 43 points. And I think that confidence, I, I, I would love to ask him just where that confidence came. Did it come from that 43 point game that he dropped on the nobody team? But that, he has an infectious personality that draws media attention towards him. He's been an unbelievable positive ambassador for the program. I mean, he's in the cover of Sports Illustrated, the cover of ESPN the magazine. He's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, I think that he kind of encompasses everything that you want out of the, the athlete in 2015. And the fact that it's coincided with this kind of run, this, not but just kind of a perfect storm everything from the to, you know, Gosser getting another year to, to play with all of these guys. It's It's been really interesting to watch this whole development, but I it, I think if you asked anybody two or three years ago what Frank Kaminsky was going to be, I think if, if, if you said Bergman, I think that and they would have said, you know, who's the guy behind him? You know, it would it would probably have been Duye, honestly. Duye was looked at when he was coming out of Chicago as this, you know, nifty post player whose dad was the VP of scouting for the Bulls and all these nifty Euro Euro moves. But, you know, it would you be shocked if a player like Duye was hanging out in the league doing things like um uh what's his face from Marquette, that uh six foot ten guy who just sits in the corner and hits threes for the Knicks. Um Are you asking me to comment on Knicks basketball right now? Because yes. I I can't and I won't. Mm, this is this is early podcasting problems right here, yeah. but uh, our, we'll get our research staff on that. Yeah. Uh, but I, it it is really interesting, and I think that Kaminsky and Duye had the the different path that they took, where Duye has become this um, a completely different player than you might have expected him when he was a recruit. And same thing with Frank Kaminsky. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, the even even John Luer, I don't think. I don't think anyone would have expected him to even be John Luer. People don't even think about John Luer anymore, but Kaminsky is kind of like the hyper version of, of John Luer, like a John Luer in the NBA. What John Luer is currently in the NBA is kind of what Frank Kaminsky is now in college, and that's why he's tearing it up. 
It's very true. Uh, Izzo also had some nice things to say about the Wisconsin team as a whole. You talked about Wisconsin being a Final Four type team. When you picture them in March, in terms of the tournament, a lot about matchups. What makes them a Final Four team? Kaminsky, Bo Ryan. Those two things are really big. Hall of Fame coach, and, and, and uh, you know we can argue. So let's just let's just put it this way to make it easy. One of the two or three best players in the whole country, and, uh, and a pretty solid cast. You know, you love a guy like Gasser. I mean, he, he's been here five years, and he just does his role and plays his role. And you know, I think they got some issues they got to deal with. You know, double penetration at times and things because they're so big. Their depth is a little suspect. I hope they get Jackson back because I love him. And uh, you know, and. Some teams that can screw up, but I, number one, I don't think Bo will let that happen. And number two, I don't think Jackson or the team will let it happen. I mean, they need one more sub if they're getting to certain games against certain teams. So, uh, you know, they've got some things to probably continue to work on. But uh, um, I just think they've got all the ingredients to be one. Now, it all comes down to matchups, as we all know. So, Tom Izzo saying what most Badger fans already know. Getting Trayvon Jackson back is very important to the bench. I just love how Tom Izzo and Bo Ryan interact. I think that's I think that they recognize that they're helping each other. Tom Izzo carries an extraordinary amount of weight. Bo Ryan carries weight, but not quite as much as Tom Izzo. And Tom Izzo is is going to bat for the Big Ten, just as Bo Ryan has gone to bat for Tom Izzo probably many different times. Um, I'm trying to think of the last Michigan State player that was a, a true National Player of the Year type of contender. We'll probably get our research team on that. Our Draymond research, Green was Draymond Green. Close. Our research team came up with the uh, the Steve Novak, which was the name I was scrambling for earlier. Duye could potentially be a Steve Novak type. They carve out something in the league like Steve remains the enigma of all enigmas from a Wisconsin that, uh, Boston Celtic legend. Yeah, and now the Pelicans like just doing, you know, doing doing his thing despite playing three minutes, having more significant contributions on the streets at 2 a.m. than he ever did inside the Kohl Center. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how how Kaminsky, the accolades that are going to come for Kaminsky, and kind of Kaminsky's association with these two teams. That he that he led, you know, last year obviously the Final Four. This year, who knows? It could really put a bow on what is one of the maybe best careers of any Wisconsin athlete, and it's it's really something. I think it'll it's kind of a nice way for Bo Ryan to go out. I mean, he you everyone I think kind of assumes that Bo Ryan is going to maybe coach for you know five maybe five more years, and he's got his Final Four. But if if He's able to go out with a couple of Final Fours, and he he's got a you know Player of the Year, and he's able to hand this program off to a coach who can point to those guys and say you know hey come to Wisconsin we're going to keep building on this. I mean, where does Bo Ryan rank and and the you know and the the all time legends for Wisconsin sports? I mean, taking a program that has literally done nothing and um, except for getting to the the one Final Four and completely turning it into just this power. I mean, I, I, 
remember Orlando Tucker being in the the player. I thought he for sure he was going to win Player of the Year, and then you know Kevin Durant came along and did his Kevin Durant thing, and um, obviously Orlando Tucker had you, you knew he was a limited player, but you you wasn't going to be killing it in the NBA anytime soon. I wasn't out buying my standing in line outside the Foot Locker for my Phoenix Suns Orlando Tucker jersey, though I thought about it, but uh, I think it's. It'll be huge for recruiting. You know, the recruiting is always a hot topic for Wisconsin because you know who wants to come up here in the in the cold? Who wants to who wants to come here to this boring thing? We run the ball. We we play slog it down basketball. Well, hey, you know, we went to the Final Four twice, and here's uh here's a guy who just you know made uh, Player of the Year, and we got you know two or three guys on this team that are going to be playing in the in the league. And that's that's actually the thing I find to be most important for high school kids looking at Wisconsin is what have they done to produce NBA level talent? Kids don't want to just come to college and play four years of basketball. And then that be that they want to know how they're going to get that NBA contract. And if Bo Ryan can point to Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker, and then eventually Koenig and Nigel Hayes, say, look, these guys all got drafted in the first round and they're making their living playing basketball. That's going to get so many more top level kids interested we're going to just be perennially involved for players like a diamond stone. We're probably only involved in hockey. We will be able to get guys of that tier once we start producing this top-level NBA talent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people, top-flight basketball and football recruits want to know, how do I get to the next level? I think that Bo Ryan has proven that he can get not only not only players that um, are, are good recruits like Kaminsky to the next level, uh, elite recruits like Sam Decker, who everyone I think assumed from the second that he you know made the top 20 in the ESPN recruit rankings that he was going to be in the league. But also, like I said earlier, uh, Stisma, I mean, Stisma is making money in the NBA. And that there's a guy that he he totally made into into what he is. And I think the the whole spectrum. I mean, I don't know how, how many other coaches in the whole country can say that they have um, people in, in the NBA that were starters for them, were bench players for them. I mean, maybe Cal Perry. I mean, Cal Perry is the only other person I know that maybe just every single person on his team, just because every single person on his team gets drafted, that he's going to have you know guys who were scrubs. That, I mean, like Eric Bledsoe barely played at Kentucky, and you know. Um, but I, I think it's an interesting legacy if he can if he can walk off into the sunset saying, you know, hey, like I I did my thing for 15 years, but you know I've got every single type of NBA player out there, and you know here Greg Gard or here Tony Bennett, here you go, take this to the next level. Starting the rumor mill early. That's what I do. I have I have no basis for any of those rumors. So let's uh, let's end our talk of Wisconsin basketball with our man Frank Kaminsky talking a little bit about winning Wisconsin's uh, regular season Big Ten title. You know, to go out on senior day and win a Big Ten title is you know, unbelievable. I know Josh Duyetre and I have talked about it all four of our years. You know, Josh is 16 years. Um, so um, it's just an unbelievable feeling to do it in front of our families and friends, you know, where everyone could make it. Um, I feel like so many people I knew as well as I'm sure Josh has 700 people here. So, um, not really. Um, just to go out there and do it in front of our families and friends and fans is unbelievable. Um, and the GoPro is just something for the Chronicles, for the Archivist. 
because he was the old Wisconsin running backs coach. Uh, John Settle took the job in Madison. What do you think about the hire, John? I think the John Settle hire, I mean, first of all, is the, is the carousel finally over? I mean, I don't know how much consternation, how much has been made to do about the position coaches. I mean, I part of me likes the position coach carousel. I think it's interesting. I think that it kind of gives you an inside view, especially into like the recruiting aspects. I mean, recruiting is kind of the, the underbelly of all of the college sports anyway, and especially in football. I mean, people are hired and fired just because of, you know, their relationships in different parts of the country. And I think that, you know, the Thomas Brown, I think the Thomas Brown era was closed on an interesting note. I think that when you look at it in the, grand scheme of everything that happened with Wisconsin sports in the last six months. You have Paul coming home. You have several coaches coming home, quote-unquote, to Wisconsin, and then have that final piece go home himself to Georgia. I think that was really interesting. I think it was kind of it was kind of a nice bow. I mean, I don't think any Wisconsin fans were, I mean, Wisconsin fans were obviously sad to see him go, but I thought it was kind of interesting that the, the kind of last piece in the puzzle was a guy indeed going home himself. I wonder if he kind of looked at everything, and obviously more goes into it than that. But I, Thomas Brown had to look at all of what had happened on some level and say, you know, there's there's only a couple places that I would go, maybe one place that I would go, and it is Georgia. And yeah. now I'm going to go to Georgia. I don't think any Wisconsin fan begrudged him for going back to Georgia. You can't. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't begrudge after taking everyone home and leaving Pitt with just like this empty kitchen with nothing in it. I mean, you have, you, you can't, you can't be mad at him for anything. And I think, uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed uh, Subtle back from my Badger Herald days. I, I really like Subtle. I think he's an exceptional coach. He's really good at not necessarily recruiting. I don't think anyone has ever considered him a great recruiter. No, but, he's not really a willing recruiter either. It seems. No, but, I think he has the leverage to not be a willing recruiter because he's got the results. And if sometimes, sometimes I think that there, I don't think there's a lot of them that exist, but I think there's some position coaches out there in football that are, say, you know, you go give me some, I'm going to pick a couple of guys that are really like, you go get them for me. You go sit in their rooms, bring them to me. I'm confident in what I can do. I've done it with such amount of backs and 
I'm, I'm going to make it happen. And I think that John Settle is that guy. And, you know, he, he wants to be at Wisconsin. I think that's, if there was a theme for this whole last four or five months with the Wisconsin football team, it's who wants to be in Wisconsin. And I think, you know, you saw it with the, the recruits that stayed on versus didn't stay on. Um, I thought it was very interesting that a lot of the recruits stayed, um, even through the coaching change. I mean, Wisconsin, obviously, we're both alums. Wisconsin's a special place. We're both married to alums multiple times over. Um, we obviously have a, a special feeling toward um, toward the school, but it's been it's, I think it's been kind of rewarding to see how many people are willing to come back to the university and and consider it a destination job because I think I think it should be, and especially for the running back position. I mean, you, you could do a lot worse in life than just hanging out in Madison, pumping out NFL running backs, and making six figures every year. I mean, that's what John Suttle wants to do. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was a, a few years ago the NHL Chicago Blackhawks were in a bit of a crisis and the head coach told everybody to commit to the Indian and he wanted, you know, all the players to buy in. And I think that's what Wisconsin is trying to do with their new coaching staff is, you know, commit to the motion W they've got guys who want to be there and are going to be there for a long time. A major program shouldn't be going through this many coaching upheavals in a short amount of time as Wisconsin did. So they brought back Paul Christ and they brought back, the guys who have been there before, and John Settle, the final piece of that puzzle. And he can point to a number of running backs who had excellent college careers and then went on to play in the NFL as well. And I think that's why you see a guy like Antonio Williams, the running back from the 2016 class, who was at first wavering a bit on his commitment once Thomas Brown left, is now seems to be fully back on board now that the Badgers finally have someone in place and he can talk to somebody and see what he had done with the running backs that came before him. So I think this is a, uh, a nice change of pace for the Badgers to get a solid core coaching staff who will be there for the long haul. And when they tell recruits, I'll be here all four years and be there to shake your hand and you get your diploma, like that's something that recruits can believe. I think, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, to contrast, the next four or five years of Wisconsin football, you know, coaching over quote unquote, with what is the standard practice in the industry? Because I think for the most part, every single team in the country loses an assistant or two every single year. I would be legitimately floored if barring just massive, massive failure that Wisconsin lost a position coach for the foreseeable future. I think everyone that, that has signed up has has been to Wisconsin, had a cup of coffee somewhere else, and wants to come back, or they're native. So it was interesting to see they targeted that one guy who ended up going to I forgot where it was. I think it was Texas, but the Jay Norvell, who kind of hilariously was the mix for the wide, wide receiver coach. coach, and he was from Madison. I mean, it was it was. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if there is any turnover going over the next couple of years, because I think it's going to be a lot lower, which is going to be nice, but it's also going to be a little bit different than what um, you generally see in the industry, I think, which is kind of accustomed to a lot more turnover, even on the head coaching side. I think that it's really built for the long run. I think that was what Barry wanted to do. Barry, wants, Barry does not want to be just hanging out every 
two years doing his search firm thing. Barry wants to have something and, and, and put a stamp on it and then ride off into the sunset with Bo Ryan, probably. The two of them, hand in hand. They're just going to go going to go live together somewhere because they love each other. But they, uh, I think that it's again, a legacy thing. I think they, they want to put a stamp on it. They know what Wisconsin is good at, and they feel like they just need to get the pieces in place for sustainability, and that's all that's all Wisconsin really cares about. Well, yeah, there you have it. You heard it here first. Barry Alvarez and Bo Ryan will be buying a cabin up near Nakwa. And they'll be living there together forever. Godspeed, you too. So that'll do it for us here on the second episode of the Men in Red show. We thank you all for listening as we rambled on about our basketball coach and athletic director moving together to retire. We also hope we brought a little information to you. Uh, For John Red, I'm Drew Hom. Thank you so much for listening. Not bad. I thought that was pretty good. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.